Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Rich Jones from Paychecks and Balances. While he runs his successful podcast with his friend Marcus, he also works as a communication manager at Google for his day job. He has actually been working for about 12 years in recruitment and staffing in various companies. And I thought it would be great to invite him on the show to discuss how one can stand out in this tough job market right now. We will discuss the current job market situation and Rich will provide great insight and tips for optimizing your LinkedIn profile so you can stand out as a job seeker even during these difficult times. This episode is for you if you are currently looking at transitioning into a new role, but as well if you are employed and looking at networking and optimizing your LinkedIn profile so you can get noticed for future opportunities. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello Rich, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Okay, excellent. Glad to have you here. So yeah, Rich, you've been uh, podcasting for uh, over, what, seven years now, I think, and uh, as well on the, at Paychecks and Balances. Yeah, yeah. So interestingly enough, I've been podcasting for seven years, and Paychecks and Balances is my second podcast, and that's the show that I've been doing since 2016. So the uh, first podcast I had, that was kind of the opportunity to, to get my feet wet mm-hmm. and understand how things work. But uh, Paychecks and Balances is what uh, I've been uh, managing and running since 2016. Yeah, it's great. And I've heard some uh, some stories. I've listened to it. It's quite great. And you, yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. And then you do it with your pal, Marcus. <laughs> that's quite yeah. cool. Uh, we'll talk about it at the end, maybe, but the, no, it's very cool. But what I invited you for is um, mostly because you worked next to your podcast. You worked in recruitment. You have been working in recruitment for, um, what, 10, 11 years or something? Yeah. So since 2008, I worked in some form of recruiting. So I was a headhunter for a staffing agency for a few years. Then I was a recruiter slash HR generalist for about three years, a little bit more than that, then a lead recruiter at a tech startup. And then for the past six years, I've been at Google. And last year, I transitioned from a recruiting manager role to a uh, internal communications and change management role, which required mm-hmm. kind of identifying transferable skills, stuff like that. So yes, uh, about 12 years in total, it wow. feels like <laughs> in, uh, in, in staffing and recruiting. Yes. So how, uh, how are your days these days? I mean, how's the recruitment thing? How, how was the, yeah, how was work? <laughs> work is good. So I love what I do, especially since making the move uh, a little bit over a, a year ago. And I, I say that because when you do the same thing for a long time, and something in the way that I did it, where I spent, you know, 10 plus years in one field and I was considering all of these various skills and interests that I apply outside of work. And I was really trying to figure out how can I bring more of that to my day job Mm -hmm. so that it's more representative of who I am overall as a person. But uh, yeah, everything is going well. This particular week while we're recording this, it's particularly busy. It's also been just interesting this year in general, just given what's going on around the world, the whole pandemic, the whole working from home. 
And for me, I'm working from home until at least June of 2021. So uh, I've got, yeah, yeah, I've got a, a lot longer time of this, but it's, it's been going well. Mm -hmm. And then you just transitioned in this new role. But what I wanted to focus on today, it's really the, the recruitment phase, of course, because, okay, we are in this pandemic. And, and then I wanted you to, to come on the show to share some experiences or, and some tips on how to stand out during these tough times because, okay, the job market may be shrinked. I don't know how you say it in English, shrunk, whatever. It, it, yep. it has gone um, smaller. I mean, there's less opportunities. And then, of course, if someone has lost his job or is simply looking at transitioning into a new career, I mean, people need to double up on the or triple up on the efforts to, to, to stand out to recruiters. So, Rich... How do you see the, the job market today? It's interesting because in some ways, it really depends what you do, whether you're doing mm. more office type of work, whether you're doing what we call blue collar work. So, you know, that could be uh, if you're doing kind of plumbing or, or electrician or some of these other functions. And a lot of people, unfortunately, have been uh, laid off from their jobs. There are a lot of people who are very actively looking for their next opportunity and finding that to be really difficult. But at the same time, there are a lot of companies that are still actively hiring. And I know people who are continuing to land new roles on a regular basis. I work at a company that is still very much actively hiring. And maybe the volume of hiring isn't as high, but there's still a lot of opportunities out there and businesses still need to run. And for businesses to run, they still need people. Okay, so there are opportunities then. So that's, that's good to hear. And to be honest, okay, I checked here. There are opportunities. I mean, companies are hiring. I mean, the, the company I work for in my day job, they are hiring as well. Maybe not as much as you say. There's not um, right. the volume as usual, but they are hiring. So, so it is possible. Now, it is possible. The market is, uh, has shrunk. How do I stand out? Because my competition as an applicant is much stronger. So I don't know. Do you have any insights or tips on uh, what to do? Yeah, what to do? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important to talk about what hasn't changed mm -hmm. as well, because for new opportunities, you still need to submit a resume or CV. You still want to make sure you're taking advantage of career platforms like a LinkedIn where recruiters hang out. And a lot of what I talk about is kind of how folks can think like a recruiter to better position themselves for opportunities. And there's also still opportunities to network. So maybe we aren't getting together in person for coffee, but there's still an opportunity for people to connect via a Zoom or a Google Meets chat. There's a lot of different platforms out there for people to still be able to talk to each other and mm -hmm. still make ends. And there's still email, you know, as, as an option as well. So <laughs> there's still there's still opportunities for people to do the things that they would normally do if they were looking for a role. But what I find in times like this, and even I think about when I first went into staffing in 2008, there was a recession that was kicking off in the United States. That's when we had kind of the, the uh, stock market crash situation that happened. Mm -hmm. And there were so many more folks on the market. And what I found was that companies became much more specific about what it was they were looking for because they knew that the labor supply was so high. So things that were previously preferred qualifications or nice to have became minimum qualifications. And some of that still very much happens today. And we see this in the form of 
simplistic jobs, but they require a bachelor's degree just because when a bachelor's degree isn't something that's ultimately necessary for that type of work. Mm -hmm. I always like to talk about the importance of optimizing your profile and your resume for the role that you want. And this may look a little bit different, whether you're somebody who's working today and you want to stay within your field or industry and make a role change versus somebody that's maybe been laid off and is looking to stay in their industry or make a career change. There's some differences there, but I think what's most important is that when people are seeking opportunities and particularly on platforms like LinkedIn, where there are recruiters hanging out and looking for folks, that you're signaling that you have the skills for the role that you ultimately want. So it's not just about the position that you have today. It's more so about what you want to do next and making sure that your various profiles that are out there reflect that experience. So that's one key tip. I'll I'll pause there because I'm sure you, you might have some, some follow-ups about that specifically. Yes. So I have actually two or three questions a bit unrelated, yep. but actually kind of related. So the number one question is that you mentioned networking and it's true that it's a great entry door at least to get an opportunity to get at least the first step, the interview. In normal times, it's easy to go to some meetups. And then you mentioned online, meeting online. So how can people today looking for a job a network online? Because, you know, it's a bit weird. Uh, like, I mean, it might seem weird to say, okay, what am I going to do? Look for a Facebook group, connect on uh, Instagram, uh, look for groups in uh, LinkedIn. Where can one start? Let's say I want to work at, uh, at Google, for example. Okay, now I know you, but, but uh, I'm not in the States. But if I want to work at, uh, let's say, Google or um, any other company where I live in Luxembourg or um, in Belgium, in Norway, in France, where do I start? Yeah, and I think it's important to note that networking is a long-term game. Mm. And if you network with the intent of what can you get from somebody else or what can you essentially take from somebody else to further yourself in the short term, it's going to be a very frustrating process for you. Mm -hmm. And so the, the way that I think about networking is building relationships over time. And for job seekers, that might mean going on a site like LinkedIn and uh, looking for people who went to the same school that you went to and seeing where they work. That could mean looking at the uh, profiles of past colleagues and seeing if you have anyone in common. And I know there's also an ability for you to go to a, a company's page on a platform like that, and then you can immediately see anybody in your network that has worked at that company or is working for that company. And that gives you an opportunity to reach out to someone where it's a little bit warmer, where you do have a pre-existing relationship or a pre-existing connection. So I encourage folks to definitely start there. And, and that kind of requires knowing where it is that you want to end up. And chances are, even if it's not a specific company, perhaps you uh, run a search for particular industries and then you realize that you're connected to people who are in the industry that you ultimately want to move into. And one thing that I did that was helpful for me for uh, my search, particularly as I was thinking about making a, a transition last year, is I spoke to people who were in the field that I wanted to be in. And some of them were people that I had worked with before. Some of them were people that I was referred to by somebody that I already know. And I think 
what's unique about this time is just given that there is a pandemic and so many people are being negatively impacted. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few times where it's okay to blast out to your network and say, (laughs) hey, I'm looking for new opportunities. Mm -hmm. Here's what I want to do. And I'd be happy to chat with someone about this. And I found that people ultimately want to be helpful. And particularly if it's people that are in your network. So if you blast that out, you may not get 30 responses. But even if you get one response and that leads to a productive conversation that helps you better position yourself or even helps you determine that what you thought you wanted to do next isn't exactly what you wanted to do next, that's helpful as well. And you mentioned Twitter, Instagram. So yes, connecting, following on Instagram, probably not the way to go about it. I do think that there's some value in Facebook groups, but there's so many of them out there. So you need to be really discerning mm-hmm. about the groups that you are joining and and understanding the level of engagement and w- what the rules are of that particular group. But I have seen uh, social media work out in folks' benefits, and, and I have a, a good example of this. Uh, I was on Twitter and I saw a retweet or a shared message from someone in my network who was sharing the message of someone that was saying, hey, I have uh, an opportunity at Google that I'm really interested in. Does anyone know anyone who works there who might be able to shed some light on the process? And I saw that and I work at Google and I trusted the person in my network who put up the post. I did a little bit of research on the person who was asking to get a sense of how serious they are, what their background is. And I ended up having a conversation with them and they ultimately ended up getting a a phone interview with the company. They didn't ultimately receive an offer, but they got their foot in the door. Yeah, that's the most important. Yeah, exactly. Getting your foot in the door is the most important part. And now, while that particular opportunity didn't work out because I did have a conversation with this person and they were really on top of their stuff in terms of their proactiveness. And, I, and that's really important when you network mm-hmm. is that people need to people need to see that fire. People need to see that you have it all together and people need to see that you're methodical and thoughtful about your approach versus just I need a job. Yeah. And and so you just take it a feeling someone comes to you and just says, hey, man, I'm, I'm looking for a job. That's a lot different than hey, I've been looking to move into marketing or, hey, I'm trying to move into personal finance. Do you know anybody who could help me with that? So it's it's really important that as you, even as you are networking and you are putting yourself out there, that you have a, a very clear story that you're telling, one of kind of what your skills are and, and what you've done, but then also a very clear story in terms of what it is that you're trying to do, because that's going to be what resonates with people and that's going to mm-hmm. what, and that's going to be what gets people invested in you. No, and uh, I absolutely share that um, people are more in your network, at least. They're more than keen to help you because two years ago, I changed jobs as well. And while I was looking, I reached out to a lot of contacts. Uh, It was not a pandemic, but it doesn't change the fact that even um, contacts from my parents that I don't really know, but my dad said, hey, my my son is looking for a new job. Or uh, are you guys looking? He's uh, into procurement. He has a finance background, blah, blah, blah. And some people, okay, I got my foot in the door. It didn't always work out, but at least it helped me to to get that first uh, conversation. So it was both offline and online. So I uh, even reached out to a guy um, that I met like 10 years ago during my uh, exchange student. It all works. So it's true that use your uh, network and people are more than helpful uh, or more than keen to to help you. I also wanted to ask you, uh, Rich, about the, you mentioned something a bit earlier on, about positioning yourself for the position you're looking for. So, for example, if somebody is um, working, I don't know, let's say marketing, and the guy says, hey, 
I'm maybe looking into transitioning into a, a new role. Okay, it can be a, another marketing role or a more senior role, but it can be maybe another industry. But how does one position himself or herself for a new position? How do you do that on LinkedIn or uh, on your CV? How do you do that? Yeah, and that's a great question. And this is one of the areas where I see people struggle the most. Mm -hmm. And what it really comes down to is identifying transferable skills. Yeah. And what I mean by that is there are skills where maybe you're applying them in a certain way today. So for example, even working within Excel or working within spreadsheets, or there's analytical type of work that you're doing, project program management, it's figuring out how the experience that you have today maps to the position or the role that you ultimately want. And that was a, a big step for me in being able to make a career change. So I'll give you an example of this. We've talked about uh, the fact that I spent a decade in, in staffing and I saw a position become available internally where they were looking for a communications manager. So somebody that had strong writing skills, somebody that had, of course, good verbal and presentation skills, somebody that was a solid project and program manager, somebody that had a bit of marketing experience. And while I was in staffing, those weren't things that I did directly, but there was experience that I was able to pull from my staffing work and from my outside experience, even within podcasting, that I was able to map to the position that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And what was also helpful for this role that I was looking at is that this communications role would be supporting the staffing organization. And so to me, that meant right now I am the recipient of said messages. So if I were to get this role, I would have the perspective of the audience that the company is ultimately trying to reach. So I'd go from being the receiver to being the sender or the strategic partner, which the way that that showed up in meetings is someone may say, hey, how about we send this email or, hey, how about we do this? And because of my previous experience in staffing, I can say, hey, that's not going to land the right way mm -hmm. or that's not going to go over the way you want it to go because of X, Y, Z. And for identifying transferable skills, I think it's important to dump out everything that you've done, even if it seems very granular or minute and something you don't think it's a big deal. And you can look back through your you know, last few jobs and just kind of dump out all of those core things that you've done. And then this is partially where networking comes in because it's not just about, uh, hey, can you help me get an interview? If you're talking to somebody who is in a field that you want to move into, you need to ask them, how did they get there? Mm -hmm. And what skills did they need? What type of stuff did they work on? And what you'll start to develop from this is a list of the skills that you'll actually need to be able to move into that role. And then it becomes a game of matching up what you've already done and framing that in a way so that it relates to the role that you're applying for. And another usage example for LinkedIn, I like to think of LinkedIn as a career consultant in a lot of ways. And another thing that I did is let's say I, and I'll use the, I'll use the communications role as an example. I went and looked at the profiles of people at the company who were in communications roles. And I didn't just look at where they uh, came from, which I think that's important too, to get a sense of the type of, uh, of companies that uh, hire these types of folks and, and where a lot of people are getting their experience. But I also looked at what were the responsibilities that they had, not just in their current role, but in their previous roles. And if it was an area where I didn't have specific experience, then the next task for me was to figure out how I could start picking up some of those skills. 
within my current role, is there something that I can ask for or something that I can work on? Is there something that I'm doing outside of work where I am flexing more of these skills and responsibilities that I can highlight in my resume or highlight in my uh, LinkedIn profile? Because especially when you're directly applying for new opportunities, the last thing you want to do is just have one blanket resume that you're submitting everywhere. You want to make sure that as you're applying for different roles, that you're meeting the minimum qualifications. And again, even if you don't have the exact experience, a lot of it can be transferred over if you Mm -hmm. frame it the right way and put it into buckets like program management, data analysis, uh, written communications, And even just folks on my team now, a lot of these folks weren't communications experts. They came from other areas, but they, but their skills were transferable. And I think people sometimes uh, underestimate what they've done and how that could be applied in a new environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like the reframing what you've done before, because it's, and when I was looking at changing jobs, it's something I was doing myself. I'm doing this inventory of, uh, okay, what did I do? Oh yeah. I negotiated. Oh yeah. I actually did the financial analysis on this. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was small, but okay, reframing it and really seeing the value that can bring to the next role. Okay. It's all helpful. And it's really, when you dig it, uh, you dig into it, you really sit for a half an hour, one hour, and then you really focus. You will find out things. Oh yeah. I've achieved this and that. Oh yeah. It's true. I got promoted for that. It's great. It's a good exercise. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing that I would even note is job titles. So job titles aren't the same at every company. Yeah, correct. And for example, when I was uh, an HR generalist slash recruiter, my formal title at the company was talent associate. But Mm -hmm. what does that really mean? You know? And when recruiters are searching on sites like LinkedIn or hiring managers or scanning sites like that, or they're reviewing resumes, and if they're looking at titles, you want to make sure that you're using titles on your resume that most generally reflect the type of work that you're doing or the type of work that you want to do. And I'm not encouraging folks to lie because for me, my title was talent associate, but the work that I was doing was that of an HR generalist, which I know recruiters will look for. It was the work of a recruiter, a technical mm-hmm. recruiter. And so I didn't use the specific title I held because even at some companies I've heard, I've heard of titles like marketing ninja. And it's like, well, what, is a, <laughs> what does a ninja mean? So even in looking at folks' titles and you're talking to people, you'll get a sense of even like what the type of job titles are that Uh, you may want to highlight or that you may want to search for. So there's the skills and the responsibilities, but you should also pay attention to the titles too, to make sure that you're using common language that's going to make you, that's going to make you more discoverable if someone's running a search. Yeah. Because I I don't expect hiring recruiters looking for a typing ninja in the, in the search bar. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Very good. No, that's excellent. Excellent tips. And then I have a question because, okay, we are both in the FinCon community, which talks about money. Your website is called Paycheck. I mean, sorry, your podcast is Paychecks and Balances. So let's say someone finds a new job, lands an interview and it goes well, and then comes the offer. I usually say to people, and I've had um, a friend of mine that is uh, working in recruitment, she mentioned, yeah, we talked about negotiating, but that was before the pandemic. So today, I mean, it's a bit tough market. The economy is uncertain. Is it okay or is it acceptable to, to negotiate your salary once you have an offer? You should always negotiate. And I want to be mm-hmm. very clear. This market does not determine your value. Now, 
some statistician or some economist person might say, you know, labor costs, they go up and go down. But because it's a tough market, you should not be lowering what it is that you think that you deserve or what it is that you would normally ask for if there were not a pandemic going on right now. Mm-hmm. Especially if the interview goes well and you get to the point where you're negotiating an offer, the company wants you. And I can tell you as a recruiter, once we identify, and even as a hiring manager, once we identify a finalist, our goal is to get that person on board and do what's within reason to get that person hired because that's the person that we want for the job. Mm-hmm. And and we expect that there is going to be some negotiation. There is going to be some back and forth. So uh, I encourage people, treat this as, as if there was not a pandemic because there are certain skills that are probably more in demand now than ever. And I, I've noticed uh, a lot of people will kind of have this fear that if they negotiate, they're going to lose the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not the case. And I've had people say that it's not applicable across all industries. So I did want to acknowledge that. For example, I know that there are some government sector jobs and other roles where the pay is what the pay is, and there's no negotiation on that. But even beyond just like that salary number, there are other things like, you know, is there additional vacation days? Is there a sign on a one time sign on bonus that we can do? Is there something else that we can do? So it's not just about that number and, and, and even things, even benefits like, you know, childcare, are there other things that are really important to you that maybe you don't make as much on a salary or hourly basis, but the benefits that that company provides, those benefits are things that are highly valuable because of where you are in your life and what it is that you need in your life. So I think it's important that people do negotiate. Don't feel like if you ask for something, you're going to lose the opportunity. And chances are, if you do ask for something and a company then suddenly goes another direction and doesn't move forward, that's probably not a place that you want it to work, mm-hmm. where by you making an ask and you standing up for yourself and you valuing yourself, they see that as, as a negative, probably not somewhere you want to be. But then there's also the way that you ask. And uh, there are not so great examples where, let's say somebody gets an offer, they say that they're going to accept it. And then before they sign it, they come back and ask for more. That's just like, you know, you you verbally said you're going to move forward, but then you're coming back and saying, oh, wait, I now I want to ask for this or uh, or even signing an offer and then asking for more. So so when I give that example, I'm speaking more so toward the character of the individual. So it's not mm-hmm. about making the ask itself, but the way that someone goes about negotiation, whether they're polite, respectful whether they're reaffirming that they're really interested in the company or if they're just trying to use an offer from one company to get a stronger offer at another company. Recruiters, hiring managers, we can tell that type of stuff. Even if you even if someone thinks that they're 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 keeping it a, a secret and keeping it to themselves. You know, a lot of us we've been doing this long enough that that we can tell when when someone's stringing us along or uh, somebody shows a character flaw that then gives us pause during the negotiation process. And so it was not about it was never about the fact that they made an ask. It was it was the way that they mm-hmm. went about it. So that's probably the the one caveat I would say about negotiating. Yeah. And then Rich um, on this topic because people might think that the recruiter, I mean the hiring manager may come with the excuse of Yeah, it's tough times. Uh, the budgets are uh, are tight right now, so unfortunately, I cannot uh, give you that uh, the salary you're requiring or this bonus or whatever. Is that an excuse we should um, accept, or uh, should we try to find other ways to to get to a, a better 
compensation package? Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be specific to the individual. And I, mm-hmm. I really do think that that can be an individual choice, because if you really want to work at a company and you make an ask and let's say they only meet you halfway and they say that's the best that they can do more times than not. And I'm I'm going out of good faith in the way that I've operated as a recruiter and hiring manager. Like that was the best offer that we could do at that particular time. What I have seen be helpful is let's say uh, you uh, receive an offer and the compensation isn't where you wanted it to be. And I, I would actually be surprised how much companies are using the it's tough times excuse. That's, that's kind of, it's not really relevant to like the value of the person that you're trying to hire. You're not paying, you're, you're not paying for the tough times. You're paying for the skills and talents that the individual is bringing to the table that's ultimately going to benefit the business. So uh, yeah, it's completely reasonable to uh, be in negotiation. And so again, let's say that they come back and the number isn't, isn't totally where you want it to be. And you make a statement like, and I've, I've seen this work time and time again, and it could even work with whatever your initial, initial ask is, as opposed to in the middle of like several back and forths. But Hey, if we could get to X, I'd be willing to sign the offer immediately because that kind of puts it on the table of, okay, like, here's what I need. If you can make that happen, we'll sign immediately. And then I found that at that point, if the company still doesn't come back with the exact number, but it's closer, or they say, I'm sorry, like this is just what the position pays. At that point, it is what it is. And it's on you to take a look at the overall picture and make an ultimate decision (laughs) on if that's something that you want to proceed with. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then while I have you, I I just have a question that comes up back to the pandemic a little bit. Let's say someone uh, lost his job or got laid off. And okay, it's a specific industry. I will uh, name, for example, the the airline industry, which is a Mm. bit uh, in trouble. And despite excellent competences, et cetera, okay, the the industry is in a a crisis. So it's very difficult for that person to find another job. So which means that the unemployment time is long, like maybe six, eight, ten months or even more. I mean, what should uh, such a person do? Because it's a specialized field and, uh, okay, it's a long time. without a, a job, so a big gap in her CV or in his CV. So what would be a great way to, to look for the next opportunity for that person? Yeah, I think using that time to continue to better yourself, develop new skills. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of these online learning platforms that are out here and they're not super expensive. You know, in USD, it could be something where it's $10, $15 a month. And, and I've taken advantage of uh, LinkedIn Learning which is their online platform. And that actually helped me prepare for some interviews and pick up some skills and terminology that uh, I didn't previously have. Also, I know folks who are finding ways to do consulting work. They're using this as a time to try out some types of entrepreneurial things. I know folks who they may have normally worked in a full-time role where now because of the market, they may be open to contract positions. So, you know, for example, instead of a full-time salaried position, they may now be open to freelance or yeah, yeah, yeah. So open to freelance or or positions that are fixed in duration. So maybe it's a maybe it's a three month contract or a six month contract. And so you know that it's finite, but it's going to allow you to uh, one, fill in that space or that gap on your resume. And uh, it's also going to pay you as well. And what can be kind of cool about contracts is is 
one, uh, you get experience in a different environment, but then two, it, it at least feels internally more acceptable to continuously look for a full-time position because you know that, you know, this position is going to wrap up in three months and, or and maybe there's the possibility for an extension or something like that. And, uh, people underestimate that the power of working with headhunters or, uh, recruiters from staffing agencies. And so mm -hmm. these are the folks where, uh, they don't work specifically at a company like a Google, like I do, or at a startup. These are the companies that are kind of the, the go between, between companies that are looking to hire folks on a contract basis, or sometimes even a full-time basis and the candidates that are seeking. And I've encouraged people say, hey, if you're not getting many bites out there, it might be good to see if there are any staffing agencies that are specific to the industry that you're in or that you wanna go into and have conversations with a few of those folks and see if they have anything for you, uh, whether it's now or uh, if you're keeping good records, anything that might come up in a few weeks or a few months. And so having conversations with staffing agencies, if, if you're really struggling out there. And, and, I, and I think in, in general, these companies can be very helpful because they represent a lot of opportunities. And sometimes they represent opportunities that aren't posted anywhere else. It's mm -hmm. that, and, and, and you've probably received some of these communications. I know a lot of us have where you get an email and it's like, you know, I'm working on a confidential search for a client <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, and, you know, and, and they're, and they're trying to look for somebody, uh, to replace someone that's still currently there. And, and in some ways I kind of call that like the, uh, hidden job market uh, of sorts where there are these positions that aren't publicly posted for you to apply, but there are people out there looking for you. You just don't know it yet, which is why it's really important that you uh, keep your, your, your profiles up to date. And uh, even with the airline industry example, which I think is a good one. Now, it depends what that person did specifically within the airline industry. Now, mm -hmm. if you're a pilot, that's one thing like that's like that's extreme. That's as specialized as it can get. But let's say you work in the airline industry, but you did sales, you did customer support, you did uh, project management, you were uh, some type of a uh, tech or mechanic. Chances are those skills going back to the, what I was saying earlier about transferable yeah. skills, chances are those skills, independent of that particular industry, they map to something else. And since now, you know, if you're actively looking and you're not currently employed, your search becomes your full-time job. Now that, that becomes the time to really kind of dump out that list as we talked about and say, mm -hmm. how can I get this to map to some of these positions at other companies, even if it is in a different industry? Mm -hmm. No, very good. Uh, well, Rich, uh, I think that these were quite um, very helpful tips. Huh? So if I sum summarize briefly, so it's one network online, reach out to your network, even online. So you don't need to meet in physically <laughs> despite the pandemic. And if you are, um, look at positioning yourself towards the next role and then really to, okay, negotiation, it's still possible. I mean, your value hasn't changed the market. The pandemic has changed, but not yourself, not your skills. Do that uh, dumping of your skills. And then, yeah, really um, stay active. Try to find missions. Try to find... Um, Even volunteering. Yeah, People volunteering, are doing that virtually. Yeah. Try to find yeah. missions, contracting, volunteering. Yeah. Yeah. And I would throw in, and you know, I'm talking a lot about LinkedIn because as a recruiter, that was... When I was a headhunter at mm -hmm. a staffing agency and in-house 
over the past 10 years, I used LinkedIn. That was how I searched for candidates. A, a recruiter's job is to go out and find talent, not sit and wait for talent to apply for opportunities. So I, I say that to underscore the importance of positioning and optimizing your profile, not just for uh, the opportunities that you see posted, but for these, op but for those opportunities that you don't even know exist. You never know who's mm -hmm. looking at your profile. You you never know who's you know on your website. You you never know who's out there. So you want to just stay ready. And this applies even if you're employed right now and you feel good about your current situation. You still want your your profiles to be optimized so that you come up and search. Think of it like Google. You search something in Google, there are companies that pay all sorts of money to have their stuff optimized so they come up first in search. Mm -hmm. And so I, I want people to take that away. And this it applies to resumes too, because you know these companies have these filtering services and 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 artificial intelligence. You want to make sure that you're hitting the key terms and the keywords so that if somebody mm -hmm. is looking for your skill set that you come up. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that again. Yeah. And then one last thing is that um, I talked about it with my friend, actually the recruiter. It's in your title uh, in LinkedIn, don't put looking for opportunities. Yes. No. Uh, oh, the, the headline, I mean, LinkedIn is a whole conversation in itself, but that headline is golden real estate. Every field that you type into in LinkedIn, or I'll say, I, you know what? I can't 100% confirm that. But so I'll say at least 90% of the fields that you can type into in LinkedIn are searchable. And that headline is searchable by recruiters. And it is also the first thing that people see about you when you do show up in those search results. So if you're looking for a finance professional and you get a list of results and you see people's headlines, it's finance professional, accounting, this, and then you see somebody that just puts looking for a job, are you going to be likely to click on that person when everyone else around them clearly has exactly what it is that, that you mm -hmm. searched for? So I, I love that you called that out. So I think it's fine to share that with your network. You can post and say that you're seeking new opportunities. LinkedIn also has an option where you can click a button and it signals that you're open to hearing about new opportunities. Uh, I would not suggest using that valuable real estate to just say looking for a job. It just doesn't reflect positively. And, well, I'll take that back. I would never just say, right, you're looking for a job because that's the first impression that you're creating. It's not about what you do. The first impression mm -hmm. isn't about the skills you have. The first impression is that you need something. Mm -hmm. Oh, very good. So yeah, Rich, uh, thanks again. It's uh, really valuable tips, especially in these times. So thanks for coming on the show. And as you know, before I let you go, we have our three quick fire questions. <laughs> Are you uh, ready? Oh Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Great, great. Well, we didn't really talk about investing, but it can be all sorts. So what has been your best investment so far, Rich? So there's a book that I read uh, called Quiet, the Power of Introverts by mm -hmm. Susan Cain. Fantastic, fantastic breakdown of uh, the introvert personality and also what our strengths are. And it helped me identify some things about myself that I could lean into because in Western society, it's a pretty extroverted world. You know, whoever's the loudest, whoever's the most mm -hmm. vocal, you know, whoever's the most talkative. But uh, I found that introverts have a lot of skills and uh, it shows up in a lot of different ways that may not be immediately obvious. And that book has been uh, incredibly helpful uh, for me. 
I'd say if I'm thinking about uh, other investments, I'd say, you know, I've, I've taken a, a couple of courses that have been really helpful. So, for example, even taking a course on how to create a course. And I say that because rather than spend, you know, weeks, months trying to figure out the best way to do it, when I could follow a program that already exists, which might cost me a little bit more upfront, but it gets me to the point of having something out there in the world sooner. To me, that is far, far more valuable than just trying to save a few dollars and then spending weeks, months, years, or ultimately not launching that thing altogether. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I agree. And then, uh, okay, we already talked about a book. What is the best book you can recommend to anyone? Any other favorite book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go with, hmm, I got a few books that I've read that are really good. I'm, I'm trying to think about which one. I'm going to go with, you know what? Going with today's theme, I'm going to go with Never Split the Difference. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, oh, have you read it? Yeah, I, I listened actually to it in, uh, I think, earlier this year in January or February. It, it, it's great. Uh, so, okay. So, so you're doing the job for me. This book, it, when it comes to negotiation, and it's, it's not just about negotiation in one context. It's about negotiation in life. And I'll tell you, I hadn't even finished the book before I was able to apply uh, something that I read to a consulting opportunity that I was looking at, and I was able to get more money as a result. I've applied this book at work, not even for financial things, but even negotiating on deadlines, negotiating on when things need to be delivered. So that book, like that is one of my like top recommendations right now. And I'm, ex and I'm glad to hear that you've read it too. And you also enjoyed it. Oh yeah. I, I really loved it. And I've worked in commercial roles. I worked in sales procurement. So negotiating is a kind of uh, my lifeblood and the, no, even reading the book, I was not expecting so much, but I, but it was really great more on the human side because, um, about yep. listening and paying attention and, uh, I've applied some of the concepts, not for really money stuff, but really more for the yeah relations and stuff like this. Negoti I mean, being in presence with other people and trying to find, find out their ideas, et cetera. I think it was, uh, no, it was very effective. <laughs> yeah. I recommend it to everybody as well. Yeah, that's awesome. You just made me think of another investment somehow. And it's crazy that I did not mention this. And I think about the best investments that I've made. My first podcast microphone the uh, audio technica atr 2100 that's when i became serious about podcasting it's out of stock and overpriced now but i would not be where i am today at work or mm -hmm. even us being able to have this conversation you would have no idea who i was if it were not for the fact that i got into podcasting so that little microphone that i've still got on the floor that's all scraped up i have since moved on from it but that is that has been like one of the most valuable purchases that I've ever made in terms of what this whole world of podcasting has been able to do for my life. Wow, excellent, excellent, love it. And then, um, Rich, the last question: What has been your best purchase for under a hundred dollars? Is it that microphone or? Uh... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's definitely that microphone. Definitely that microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was. I think when I got it, it was like fifty to sixty dollars uh, USD. And yeah, I mean, it's just been too, yeah. I mean, I've, I've already said my, my piece on that, but like <laughs> just from like a life satisfaction and being able to reach and help 
so many people that investment and making sure that you know it captured my my true voice and in all its depths mm-hmm. more than more than worth it and has paid for itself many times over yeah excellent excellent i'd love to hear it and then uh, rich uh, where can uh, yeah people connect and find you guys yeah so uh, paychecksandbalances.com is the website on twitter and instagram at paybalances and on Facebook at Paychecks and Balances, where we also have a private Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So those are the main ways to find the show, to find me. And then also, given the topic that we talked about today, I did create a free five-step guide to changing your day job. And you can go to changeyourdayjob.com and get that right there. It's free no tricks or anything going to pop up asking you to put in any type of credit card information or anything like that. And uh, within that, I even cover some of what we talked about today and a bit more. So I'll throw that out there too. Okay, perfect. And I'll link it up in the show notes uh, so people can find it. So yeah, Rich, thanks again. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, really enjoyed this conversation with Rich and I hope it uh, will provide to be helpful to you if you're currently looking at a job. And although I have already summarized the takeaways, I will just sum them up really briefly. So number one, although the volume of opportunities has shrunk, there are still opportunities in the market for new jobs. Number two, you should still network, albeit digitally, and keep a long-term approach for relationship building. Number three, optimize your LinkedIn profile for the role you want and identify your transferable skills. Do this dumping exercise where you list all your past achievements. Number four, if you get a job offer, as usual, you should always negotiate. And I really like what uh, Rich said. This tough market does not change your value on the market. Number five, keep learning and growing with online courses. For example, the LinkedIn learning platform. And uh, you can also volunteer, freelance, and so on. In short, keep yourself busy. And the last one uh, for today Keep your LinkedIn profile optimized, even if you're employed at the moment, and do not write looking for opportunities in the header. It's a prime real estate. (laughs) So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.